Good to see you. Good to be here again. And um, for those who don't know me, I'm Toby and um, married to the wonderful Jean. And uh, I've been getting involved here a little bit over the past term. And we haven't been around too many Sundays, probably four or five Sundays, I think. And um, But just say it's been a real joy to get to know people, say hello to people. And um, thank you also for your amazing grace to Jean and I, that when we forget your names... Uh, you're very gracious to us, and um, but we're trying to learn that. And, and next term, we're going to be around a, a lot more on Sundays as well. So, um, and uh, so, look forward to getting to know more of you, hopefully, and maybe sitting around the table with some of you and so on, enjoying food together and things like that. So, yeah, it's been really, really enjoyable, and we felt so welcomed and at home as well. Genuinely, it's just been wonderful. Every time we've walked in from the first Sunday, um, just the way you, just wonderful, wonderfully hospitable and kind and welcoming, and so we really, really appreciate you and being among you as well. Now, if you've got a Bible, um, turn to John chapter 15, or turn it on either way. Uh, John chapter 15 might be quite a familiar passage to many, and I'm really encouraged by some some of the words that have been brought this morning as well, and um, I like it when that happens, when it's sort of, God's got speaking in different ways, and... um, through the scriptures and through prophetic and so on. John chapter 15, this, this verse that speaks about the vine and the branches. And if you're new to the Bible, it's John's Gospel, New Testament, and um, the fourth book in the New Testament. So I'm just going to read the first five verses, and then we'll go from there. It says, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, so it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. That word that came from David earlier. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So, like I said, it may be familiar to some of us and so on. And um, if we're familiar with it, we may know that in the Old Testament, this picture of the vine was a picture of God's people, Israel, in the Old Testament. And uh, that it was an imagery metaphor for God taking a people and out from Egypt and planting them in a land to establish them. That's what we do with plants, isn't it? You put them in a pot to establish them, to get their roots down, to get fruitfulness growing upwards and so on. And so Israel were like that, a people that God took hold of to reveal himself through. And the end game was never just the nation of Israel. It was always the nations, all peoples will be blessed through you. That's the promise through the Old Testament, all nations. And so he took this vine and he planted them in um, a land. In Psalm 80, it says that you removed a vine from Egypt, speaking about when they came out of slavery in the Old Testament, if you know the story. And yet the way the vine is used often um, uh, in the Old Testament is not always to do with fruitfulness of God's people. In fact, often it's to do with their failure, that they failed to produce maybe the fruit that God had spoken about. You know, the Bible talks about this in different ways in terms of the New Testament talks about fruit of the Holy Spirit, the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. These fruits of the Holy Spirit. 
talks about actually the fruit of a life that knows God is to love him with all our hearts and all our mind and all our strengths and to love our neighbours ourselves and to live in that way, that that's a fruitful life. But Israel had failed in that. And what we read as we read through the Old Testament, we don't kind of read it as, well, didn't they do badly? And wouldn't we have done so much better had we been in their shoes? Do we? We don't read it like that. We read it and we know actually, well, we're the same. We we fail in these things. We don't live in the way maybe God intended for us. The Bible says that all have turned away from God. All have fallen short. Um, And when we choose to live independently of God, and that's not a bad way to to look at sin. What it is to live independently of God. It's the whole Frank Sinatra thing. I did it my way. Well, actually, that leads to fruitlessness. It leads to failure. It leads to sin. It leads to brokenness in the world when we do that. When we seek to live independently, we don't produce good fruit. We are both, you know, again, you look at the world today and there are some beautiful things happening, aren't there? In the world. There are. There's incredible things that people are doing that are benefiting others and so on. And yet, as Mike has just pointed out and prayed, we look around the world and we see devastation and brokenness and ruin. And, and, and those buildings that we see that are ruined in some of these places now, you know, someone described humans once as glorious ruins. You know, you kind of look at a, a human being, think, wow, there's such glory here, and yet it's, it's broken and bust up. And our lives are like that. And, and to be honest, I don't know anyone, even if you're not a Christian here this morning, and, or you're listening online, and um, you're not a Christian, I, I don't know anyone who doesn't agree with that, that we're flawed. Human beings are flawed. We're broken in some way. And then Jesus comes on the scene. <laughs> and he makes the claim here, the I am this true vine. That he is the, the new Israel. He's the new, um, the, be- the new beginning of God's people, as it were. Where they failed, Jesus would come and succeed. Where they messed up, Jesus would come and do what we cannot do. He would fully love God, as it were, with all his heart and all his mind and all his strength. He would fully live out what it is to love and be kind and to be good and to be patient and to be faithful. That's what we see when you read through the stories of Jesus. So Jesus came to do what you and I couldn't do when he says, I am the true vine. And in fact, when you read through chapter 15, you know, when you you look at In my understanding of kind of other religious views and things like that, other philosophies, what people often do in other religions is they point to God. They think, you need to follow God. You need to believe this about God. You need to believe this truth about God or read this book about God or whatever it is. Jesus doesn't point to a book out there. He doesn't point to even some teaching out there. He points to himself. And in fact, right through chapter 15, he uses I, me and my a shed load. Just a shed load, around 60 times I is mentioned. And if any of us were like that, you think, man, they're just full of themselves, aren't they? You know, I, me, my, I, me, my. Jesus uses it a load. And here, I am. He's putting himself, if you know again, the name of God, Old Testament to Moses, I am who I am. Make no mistake. You know, some people say that Jesus never claimed to be God. I, th- I just don't get it. Please read the Bible. Please put two and two together here because it is just rife and replete with 
with all sorts of both um, sort of explicit and implicit references to Jesus as God. And here I am. This is, make no mistake, this is what Jesus is claiming. Not that he's a guru, not that he's a good, just a good teacher or, that, or a good man, another good man or whatever. He is claiming to be God. And, and the God who is revealed through the Old Testament as well. And so when he says, I am the vine, he says that I am the new and faithful Israel. Where you fail, I'm going to succeed. Where you want to know what God is like and God's image in the world is like, look at Jesus. And through him, you can know God. You can be grafted into the people of God, be connected to God. And this word abide as well, if we read on, would come through around 11 times in chapter 15. But way more than that, also chapter 14 alludes to this abiding as well. So what does it look like to abide? What does this mean when Jesus said, abide in me? What does it mean for you? What do you do? What does it mean to abide? What does that look like in our daily lives to abide? Well, the first thing... There's three little pictures of what it means. Connection, continuing, and dependence. The first is it's a picture of our connection with Jesus. Abide in me. Make your home in me as I am in you, verse 4. Jesus is inviting us to make our, if you want, our home, our residence, our address in this life on this earth, him. Abide in me. John Piper put it this way, he said, the essential meaning of our active abiding is the act of receiving and trusting all that God is for us in Christ. The act of receiving and trusting. I'm not sure I've shared this here, I lose track sometimes, what I've said where, but I find this a helpful way of thinking about faith and, 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 and trusting Jesus and even becoming a Christian. It's to think of it like a plane, that if I were to say, I'm going to fly to America today, well, you're not going to think that Toby is going to stand on this stage or outside at the end of the meeting and start flapping his arms really hard in hope. Well, if you did think that, you'd think, man, we're not going to listen to this bloke ever anymore. <laughs> but if he said, you know, I'm not going to do that, am I? Because I can't fly. But you might think he's going to go to an airport and get on a plane. And by doing so, I am trusting um, something greater than me, something more powerful than me, something outside of me to do something for me that I cannot do for myself so I can get to where I want to go. Yeah? And so when you step on a plane, you are putting your faith, as it were, in the one great, something greater, more powerful. And to become a Christian is like that, in putting your trust in Jesus and everything that he's done for us. Now, I can't get there. <laughs> We've got to be good enough to get to heaven, to be good enough. To get. I can't do it. It doesn't work that way. I need to put my trust in Jesus, in one greater than me. And becoming a Christian, you get on the plane. And, and, and the question to ask ourselves maybe is, where are you in relation to that yourself? I've asked this question to others before, and they've said things, well, do you know what, I think I'm in the, I'm in the departure lounge. Or others have said, well, do you know, I'm still at home, <laughs> debating whether to even go. Someone said to me the other day that they asked this question to someone, and they said, I'm checking out the pilot's credentials. Fair play. Check out Jesus' credentials. Can he do what he says he's going to do? Where are we in relation to that? And also when you get on the plane as well, what you find is a bunch of different people on the plane. Jean, my lovely wife, loves flying. And she'll be on the plane kind of, oh, yeah, glass of red and, and love flying. Woo! You know, <laughs> sorry, darling, that's true. <laughs> you know, she loves flying. And, and I'm on the plane and I'm kind of, I don't mind flying, 
but it's a big object, 30,000 feet, feet in the sky, feet in the sky, and, and, and you know, I, I'm up there going, you know, how does it work? How does it fly? I'm like that in my Christian life, questioning all sorts of things. That's okay, we're on the plane, so it's still faith. Others are on the plane, they're scared of flying, they're anxious about it. You see what I'm saying? Because all be, you'd be on the plane still in faith and still be grappling with all those things. And so we trust in Jesus and to abide in him, if you like, the first thing to do is get on the plane. That's the first thing. And if you don't know how to do that, you're thinking, well, what does that even look like? To, to pray, to ask God for forgiveness, to put my trust in Jesus. Come and talk to one of us at the end. Mike's here, I'm here, others are here, you might have friends here. Come and talk to us. I'd love to help you take that step onto the plane. Next week, there's some baptisms, I think, here. Come to that. Listen. See. Ah, baptism. That's about getting on the Goodness me. Abide in him. It starts with trusting him. The gospel that we've been singing about and celebrating this morning. 1 John 4.15 puts it explicitly. It says, whoever confesses, speaks out that Jesus is the son of God, does what? Abides in him and in God. Ah, okay. So here we have it. It's a picture of our connection with Jesus. This, this abide word meaning to dwell, to remain, to make your home in, to make your address, to stick with. The second is it's a picture of our continuing to trust in Jesus. So we get on the plane. It's now you're on the plane and now it's continuing to trust. Remain in me. That is a, another way of, of translating uh, uh, this word or the use of this word in the New Testament in different places. Continuing in him persevering even in him and uh, one way i try and understand this is, is, is and again you may have seen this is this is you it's a brilliant obviously cut out of you <laughs> you're very flattered and um and and god's word and and all that jesus is and all that god has done and everything that's represented in god's word it's like that it's you in him wrapped up in him the bible talks about being in christ in his promises, it's trusting in him. There's nothing I can do. You know, I love, I love, I love that song. Not, you know, um, it's not I, but Christ in me. Not I. It's not about me and I and my and me. But not I, but Christ in me. I, I'm in him. He's in me. It's a abiding deal. This is what Jesus promised. That's where fruitfulness flows from as well. That we continue to trust in him. Uh, and, and in John chapter 14 as well, actually, there's this word abode that is there. It says, John chapter 14, verse 23. If anyone loves me and will keep my word, my father will love him and we will come to him and do what? We will make our abode with them. Their home. That's a home. An abode is a home, isn't it? It's where you live out from. And again, it's making Jesus your address, your abode. And again, it's the same sort of root word there, same family of words there, abode and abide. And this is what he's saying. And, and what, what is home? Home is where you start your day, isn't it? It's where you end your day. It's, now, I know you can't physically take your home with you when you walk out the door to work or see friends. But that is what it is like. If you can't kind of imagine that, um, what it is like walking with Jesus and what he promises here. It's like your address goes with you wherever you go. You're at home with him. You abide in him and he in you. Start, end of the day with him and throughout the day and so on. We've heard this morning you know, in prayers that he'll never leave us, never forsake us. He's the one that is always with us through every season of our lives. Through the ups and the downs, the joys and the sufferings. That's his promise. 
And so how do we do that? What does it look like to abide in him? Well, in verse 7, Jesus says this, If you will abide in me and what my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Well, what does it look like? His words abiding in us. I don't know how many, how many if you were to take a guess, how many words you've listened to over the past week? <laughs> Any idea? I don't know. I mean, I haven't got a clue, to be honest with you. I haven't even got the answer. I, I don't know. But I imagine thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe, of words you may have heard this week in all sorts of places, maybe through YouTube or whatever. Do you know there's about 1.88 billion websites, apparently? And, 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 then there's, there's this, and then there's YouTube with that. I don't know how many videos are uploaded every day, but there's words through that. There's words through TikTok. There are words through podcasts and through TV and whatever we watch. You know, that We're hearing words all the time. Notifications. And again, what's come through this morning about th- that, that word of the screen there, about this, what's dominating your life. It can be all these words that we're bombarded with. Words shape us. They absolutely influence our lives, don't they? You know, the Bible says that the, that the tongue carries the power of life and death. That our tongue, the our words that we use, that's why I think we, you know, Jesus talks about being judged for every careless word spoken. Because words we're meant to be careful with because they carry power. How much more power does God's word carry? And it's saying, actually, allow Jesus' words above every other word word that you hear to shape your life and that means yes reading the bible not because you have to not because it makes you a better christian or anything like that but thank god that people literally went to their deaths to get us this in our language god's word read the gospels read about jesus because his promise here is that that's what abiding looks like, abiding in his word, in his teaching, allowing that to be the absolute primary shaper in your life, in your decision making, in how we conduct our relationships with one another, in how we conduct our work lives, in how we go about our days. It's allowing Jesus' word. I remember when I first became a Christian, my dear friend Graham, one of the things he'd say to me, I'd say, Graham, what do I do here? What do I do about that? And nearly every time he'd just say, Toby, think biblically. Go back to the Bible again. Right, okay, what does the Bible actually say? Think biblically. Think, what does the Bible say? Not what does so-and-so say, or what's the name say, or what's the name say, or which influencer says. What does the scripture say? What does Jesus say? And how does that shape our lives? Because that's part of our abiding in him. So we abide in him by allowing his words to abide, take up residence in our lives. We abide in Jesus by continuing to abide in his love for us as well, to focus on his love. Verse 9, he goes on, just as the Father has loved me, I've also loved you. Abide in my love. How do you do that? Well, how do do we know God loves us? Hmm? He says so, and he's demonstrated it where most clearly? On the cross. No greater love is there. All right. So if I want to abide in Jesus and him in me, well, I need to meditate on and think about the cross. That's why it's good to come on Good Friday to do that. It's good to come on Sundays to do that together. It's good to do that in your community groups. It's good to do that in running partners. It's good to do that on your own. Do you know what the antidote to weariness is? And losing heart? If you're a bit discouraged and weariness, do you know what the Bible says the antidote to that is? Consider him. 
who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's the antidote. Not worry more and not, you know, there's lots of good advice out there, but it's actually consider him. And you find that God strengthens you through that because the Holy Spirit loves making Jesus known to us. So it's the evident. We abide in Jesus by continuing to abide in his love, focused on his grace on the cross. That's why we celebrate every week. And the evidence of that, what does that even look like in our lives? Well, he goes on and says, the evidence of that will actually be our love for one another. That's one of the primary evidences. This is how you know your love for one another. The love of God abides in you. How do you know? One John talks about this. Your love for one another. It's outworked in that way. Jesus says here, love one another in verse 12 as I have loved you. So it's love for one another is a primary evidence. But another one is this that isn't so great, which is being pruned. Because Jesus says that he will prune those that are fruitful. If you bear fruit, yay! I'm bearing fruit. I'm starting to look more like Jesus in my life, in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all these things. And somehow God is using me as I serve others and maybe tell people about Jesus and things like that. Yeah, great, 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 great. Well, the promise there is you're going to get pruned, cut back. And at times that happens individually. Sometimes that happens in churches. Got to work in that way. Why? To make you more fruitful. And that's why I'm really pleased. You know, David shared this morning about fruitfulness, increase in fruitfulness. I think God wants to get our attention on that a little bit, maybe. Maybe you've experienced that in your own life, in pruning, being cut back. I know we have, Gene and I. I know I've had moments where I've been cut back and felt like there's nothing left. It just looks like nothing else is going to grow here. But God does that. He's the, he, he's the, he knows what he's doing. When he allows us to go through things that we feel cut back, difficult times sometimes, suffering times sometimes. To produce more and more fruitfulness. And that's the promise. And like I said, we lean into others on this to help us in it. And and we do this together as we abide in him. Continuing to trust in him. And, And the final thing is this, and I'll be brief on this. Abiding is a picture of our utter dependence on Jesus. So it's a picture of our connection with Jesus. A picture of our continuing to trust in Jesus. And a picture of our utter dependence on Jesus. Verse 4 and 5. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself. I don't know about you. I've been a Christian like 25 years or something, and I'm still learning this lesson. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah. I can't actually do it by myself. Yeah, you're right, yeah. Maybe a little bit of me, Lord. No, 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 okay, fine. It's, it's nothing. And he goes on, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I know you know this. But it's about leaning into that and, and, and asking God, well, what does that look like in my daily life? And I think for me, I think, one, it frees me from striving. And, being, you know, I've got to make something happen. No, I haven't. I can do nothing apart from him. Oh, right. So what does that then look like? Well, it then looks like, surely, prayer. And leaning into him, saying, well, if I can't do nothing apart from myself, then, Lord, I need to lean into you then and ask you to act. You know, one of my most common prayers is, Lord, act beyond me, please. Please act me on this. Because if it's all about me, man, it's, it's probably a mess and it's going to be really limited. But it's not about me. It's not just about you. So what God can do in and through people who lean into him, who pray, who call on him, who get together and pray, who pray on their own, who get on their knees and cry out to God and say, God, help me. Act beyond me, Lord. It's not a bad prayer to pray. And again, if you read through, spend some time in John chapter 14 and John chapter 15. I mean, this is one of the longest discourses of Jesus in, in, in John's gospel here. 
And I would say, if you want to spend some time abiding, spend some time just reading this, allowing God to speak for you through it. Asking others, well, what does this mean? You know, how, do, how do I apply this to my life? Because he talks about the helper here, the Holy Spirit, who promises to help us. So the promise as we abide is fruitfulness. As we connect with, continue, and depend on Jesus. Let's continue. If you're a Christian, make Jesus your address. <laughs> you know, every day, wake up and think, actually, I get, I get to read the scripture. I get to read about Jesus this morning. And I have to. I get to. And allow him to shape our lives. And the promise is there will be fruitfulness as we go out in our mission to the world. There's a church here in Lowestoft. And it's not just for Lowestoft, it's for the nations as well, isn't it? You know, it is to this town, absolutely. But there's way more to come out from this church, isn't there? Who believes that? I do. I absolutely believe that with all of my heart. There's way more fruitfulness to come, and not just because of what was prophesied this morning and said this morning. But let's take that, hold of that as we go away from here. Let's take that fruitfulness and pray into that and meditate on this and drill into this, as I said, with others or on your own, trusting that he's going to bring the fruit. Anyway, look, I'm going to stop there. Do the band want to come back up? Because we're going to... Shall I lead into communion? Is that right? Oh. Hopefully they've got a, got a song. <laughs> um, so if you're, on, if you're a Christian, and hopefully, did you grab one of these on the way in? Has everyone got one of these? If you're the, and I know that we want to get back to sort of bread and the physicality of things and tables and things, and we're working on that and, and so on. But, but for now, in terms of with COVID and all these other things, we're using these. But let's remember what it represents, the body and blood of Christ. It represents who Jesus is. And actually, Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 56, he said, the person who eats my flesh and drinks my blood does what? Abides in me. So again, when we're celebrating, and of course we know it's not literally in you know, the flesh and blood and so on, but it's pointing us to the cross. It's pointing us to what Jesus has done for us. And it's our way together as a body abiding in him together. It's recognizing that, that he's our address, he's our home. And so let's take this together and I'll pray as we do. And you can kind of echo prayers and take it. Let's take this, the wafer that represents the bread of life. Jesus, thank you that you are the bread of life. <laughs> um, Lord, yeah, you talk about yourself in incredible ways. And, and Lord, we take this bread, your broken body for us, so that our own brokenness can be both forgiven but also healed as well and be made whole again. And Lord, thank you for this bread, Lord Jesus that we take together as the body of Christ. And Lord, thank you for the, this wine, this juice that represents your blood poured out. It represents blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. <laughs> that none of us are standing here, sitting here, whatever, on I, me and my, and what we've done. But Lord, we're totally and utterly putting all our eggs in one basket. We've got on the plane and saying we're trusting in you. To do for us what we absolutely cannot do for ourselves. Trusting in you to get us where we, we so want to be. Which is with you. To know you. The end game. And Lord, thank you for your blood that was shed for us. The, for the forgiveness of our sins. Of living independently of you. That wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And we take this wine and remember that. That we abide in you. 
that that was secure in you as well. Yeah. And we pray, Father, for increased fruitfulness for all our lives. Lord, individually but together as well. And I want to pray, Lord, over the coming weeks for stories of fruitfulness, increased fruitfulness to come. From all our lives, as we step out into the things you call us to, as we lean into you and abide in you, continue in you, depend upon you, that your promise is that you will bring much fruit for your glory. Amen.